Our scripture text this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Listen for a word from God. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there. He did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head not lying with the linen wrappings but rolled up in a place by itself. The other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look in, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? She said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. When she'd said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. She did not know that it was Jesus. He said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Don't hold on to me. I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my siblings and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them all that he had said. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you for this Easter story. I pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds to the message you have for us today. In the name of Christ, amen. So what makes something really alive? The kids named some brilliant criteria a moment ago, things that move and things that talk and things that breathe. And scientists have named a few other common requirements for life that we'll talk about in a moment. But it can actually be a really complex question. What makes something alive? In fact, even the most brilliant scientists in the world have struggled with this question a lot recently because of the new frontiers that we are exploring in space. So astrobiologists at NASA have been asking what makes something alive and wondering if we might need to start thinking of new criteria as we potentially encounter things outside of Earth. So NASA says this, 
Defining life has proven to be a difficult task. It's not as easy as you might think. The most widely accepted general scientific for definition of life right now is this. Life is a self-sustaining chemical system capable of evolution. But, NASA says, there are still problems with this definition. Take viruses, for example. They sort of straddle that line between life and non-life. On the one hand, they have their own genetic material and they act as biological machines and they can evolve, but they cannot live without another living host. So are they alive or not? What does real life really look like? The Easter story asks this same question. Jesus lived a kind of life that was so unique and so radical and so awe-inspiring that he couldn't help but get people's attention. He did unique things like welcome children and like call out injustice and like offer people hope and healing. He trusted women, he embodied loving sacrifice. And when the people in power began to feel threatened by this way of life, they decided to eliminate him with the tool of empire, with execution. Abundant life, these powerful people thought, might take away some of our own power and glory, and it must be stopped. So the part of the story we read today happens three days later when Mary, one of his friends and followers, goes to the tomb to grieve. But instead of finding what she expects, there's a stone rolled away and the body is missing and she runs to gather the other disciples. They come and see, are confused, but believe, and she stays there weeping. She begins to talk with the gardener, to plead with him, and then when he says her name, she realizes it's Jesus. He is alive. She's shocked and overwhelmed and runs to hug him. Finding life in unexpected places raises our blood pressure, and it can be terrifying. One summer, several years ago, I was staying with some friends in Kentucky. They were gracious enough to let me live in their attic uh, bedroom while I worked for the summer at the Presbyterian headquarters there in Louisville. And one night, I was sound asleep, and I started to have these very strange dreams. I was dreaming about windstorms, and I was dreaming about piles of paper falling on me. And then in sort of half-consciousness, I noticed some sounds, and I woke up enough to know that something wasn't right. A bat had gotten in the room and was circling the bed and hit my arm and my face, and to say I was terrified would be putting it mildly. There was life where I did not expect there to be any life but my own. It was just one bat, but it was so scared and frightened and circling that I went downstairs and told my friends, there's at least six birds up there. (laughs) We went up and discovered it was one very small bat, but I survived. 
Life where we don't expect it can be startling. Even if it's not something scary like a bat, even if it is a welcome form of life, it can be shocking. My former seminary president, Craig Barnes, says, Easter is the last thing we are expecting, and that's why it terrifies us. He says this day is not about bunnies and springtime, it's about more hope than we can handle. Easter is about finding life, finding true life in unexpected places. And that kind of hope overwhelms all of our senses. So much so that Mary didn't recognize Jesus at first. And when she finally does and runs to him, he tells her, don't cling to me, I have more work to do, and so do you. Go, tell the other disciples. Share this hope that you have seen. Remind them that they're part of God's family and that hope is still alive. There are a dozen or so stories in the Bible about what Jesus does after he is raised. And listen to the kind of life that's woven through these scenes. Jesus offers peace to his scared followers locked in an upper room. Jesus cooks his friends breakfast on the beach. Jesus walks and talks with followers on the road to Emmaus and shares a meal with them. He gives his disciples a mission to share the hope and love with the whole world, not just the religious insiders. He offers forgiveness and love to Peter, the one who had denied him three times. And he breathes the Spirit of God on them, empowering them to go with God into the world. Real life breathes and moves and grows. But listen to these three other scientific requirements of life. For something to truly be alive, it must be able to respond to its environment. To reach for the sun or to move the other way if it's poked, to notice and react to whatever is going on around it. Second, for something to truly be alive, it must be able to create, to bring something new into the world, often through reproduction or any other kind of creation. And third, for something to truly be alive, it will be able to repair itself after being hurt, to heal. Like if we get a scratch on our bodies and it heals, like if a plant regenerates after encountering some kind of wound. This is what true life really looks like, something or someone who breathes and moves and grows, who's in tune with the world, who creates and who can heal. How beautiful. Jesus, on the other side of the tomb, shows signs of real life, not just generic ideas or images, He spends time on the other side of life, encouraging, loving, empowering others. Even though he had every right to come back and seek revenge on the people and power structures that killed him. He could have spent his time rubbing it in their faces that their attempt to silence him didn't work. He could have come back and only focused on his own victory and himself. 
But instead, he got to the point of what life is actually about. Sportscaster Sarah Spain worked really hard to become a major media sports reporter. She was told over and over and over again that it was not a place for women, that she wasn't good enough, that she didn't belong, and that she couldn't do it. But she did. And when she arrived, when she began working with ESPN, and then when she began winning Emmys and Peabody Awards, she thought she might be tempted to go back to all of her naysayers over the years and laugh in their faces to seek revenge. But she said that when she arrived, and when she knew she had arrived, when she'd stepped into this new life, all she wanted to do was to think of the next generation of women coming up in the field and to help them, to make the way a little easier and a little more supportive. Real life doesn't stop in its own victories. Real life points beyond itself. It hit me reading those scientific definitions of life that many of us humans who technically check the boxes for being alive aren't fully living, at least in the abundant way that Jesus talks about earlier in the Gospel of John. How many of us are stifling our own creativity out of fear of rejection? How many of us are afraid to move out of places of comfort because we might fail? How many of us are aware of the environment around us, but are maybe nervous to respond to the people and to the planet and to the things that are needed because it's inconvenient or uncomfortable? How many of us deny the healing we're capable of because we feel shame around going to therapy or being honest about our bodies or addressing addictions? How many of us straddle that line between living and not living like a virus, clinging to other forms of life to seek revenge, to be right, to conquer until we get what we want? Are we reflecting the terrifying hope of Easter with the way that we live? The promise of this holy day is that it's never too late. Even after the stone has been set and everybody has gone home, it is not too late. We can begin again each day. God promised to be present with us in all of the complexities of life. And real life comes about in the small things just as much, sometimes even more than it comes about in the big things. Real life comes about in conversations with friends and in questions and in walks and in meals and in eye contact. The scientific definition of life is evolving. And what a refreshing sign of life that is in itself. Science is willing to respond to its environment and to learn new things and to recognize its own limitations and to point beyond itself to say, this is what we think life is right now, but we might learn more. Wow. I think the church could learn a lot from this, couldn't we? 
Religion often pretends to have all the answers rather than working definitions full of wonder and grace. Real life lives and moves and breathes and has its being in God. Abundant life creates and responds to its environment and heals. I wonder where you feel inspired to live like that. I wonder who are the people in your life that bring that out of you. I wonder where you might be inspired to show others that kind of life. What is the next small thing you might do to celebrate the abundance of life that God has given you? Craig Barnes says, the Easter question asks not do we believe in the doctrine of the resurrection, but rather, have you encountered a risen Christ? When you do, you can't help but step into the terrifying hope of fully living. Let's pray. God of grace, we thank you for life life that moves and breathes and heals and grows. Help us to be people who lean into that kind of abundant living. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen.